everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, today, Lisa, we embark on a series that we've been planning for a long, long time, a series we've never done before. It's called The Sex Experiment. We're going to talk about some things, some issues about life that we've never ever discussed before. And I think it's important before we begin this series to talk about some bedroom rules, some ground rules, because a lot of people think, I'm sure, okay, this is for married folk. You know, this is for those people who've been married for a year or maybe 40 years. It's the sex experiment. I mean, that's gotta be the deal, is it? No, actually we've talked about sex before on this stage many times, but we've always had the understanding and we're, we're gonna continue to have the understanding that this is about what we do prior to saying I do and what we do after we say I do. So, so what you're saying is the way we behave, the way we think before the marriage altar affects and alters our marriage after the marriage altar. Yes, so whether you're single, whether you're, you are not dating yeah. anyone right now, but you kind of have your, your sensors out looking for someone, or whether you're in a relationship, whether you've been married for just a short time or for a long time, what we want to do is unpack as a church family um, what God has to say about intimacy, about relationships, and about sex. How about the kids? Because whenever you talk about a subject this sensitive, when you undress this subject, pun intended, how about the kids? I mean, should, should the kids attend? Tell me about that. Well, we have age-appropriate teaching, obviously, for students and for, for children, but believe it or not, from the time your child is in the third grade, about eight years of age, they have been bombarded with every type of cue and innuendo about sex, about their sexuality. So we believe and we know strongly that the number one place to talk about sex is in the home, is it within the family unit. The second best place is in the church. Say that again, I love that. The number one place is in the? Home, the family unit, to right. discuss sex, to talk about it. And we're even going to have a, a, a day dedicated, a, a series, session dedicated to telling how to tell your kids about sex. I mean, that's kind of one of those. I want to hear that. How about you guys? Yeah. So, so it's important. And I believe yeah. that there's no better place other than the home. The second best place would be the church. So don't be shy to bring your kids to, to have them, um, whether it's, you know, you may choose to have them in children's church, but I believe that they will gain much from this series about relationships because we want to raise up a generation who knows the That's Lord right. and knows what he has to say about this gift. See, this is a gift. Sex is not something that was, you know, that is a cultural thing. It's not something from Hollywood. It's about the gift that God gave us um, as Some people beings. are saying, I thought Hugh Hefner invented sex. Well, granted, Hugh is about as old as God, but he did not invent sex. I hope you know that. No. So this, it's going to be exciting, and, and we just encourage you to be committed to be a part of these talks because... I believe that, that the, the family unit itself is, and I know it is, actually, I don't just believe it, I know it, the family unit is under attack. And the 
best way that we can have a healthy family is to have healthy relationships within the marriage. And so that begins in the dating stage and it continues on in the marriage. But we want to just like rock the world, create a sexual revolution, if you will, for the culture to get their cues maybe from the church instead of the church being silent and getting their That's cultures right. from uh, somewhere else. Because the sexual revolution was in the 60s and it doesn't take someone with a relational PhD to realize the sexual revolution has ended in a lot of serious pollution. So God has a sexual revolution for us and a revolution simply means a change for the better and that's what's gonna take place. Now I know also because we've been praying like crazy many of us for this series. I know many of you have relationships, marriages that are hanging from a thread. And I truly believe over the next month or so, as we undress this subject, I'll say it again, this can change the future, alter the future of your relationships, of your marriage, of your family. So it's not going to be easy for you to attend this series. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy who has hijacked sex is not going to sit back and let you open yourselves up to this material. So commit to it. Be here, invite someone here, and I'm telling you, God will take you places you never dreamed possible. Because remember, the first statement ever uttered about you and me and Lisa was a sexual statement. It's a boy. It's a girl. So sex is not something we do. It's something we are. And that brings us, Lisa, to, to thinking about sex. We all think about sex. Everybody thinks about sex. Hey, kids, your mom thinks about sex. Your dad thinks about sex. I know it's gross, but that's true. <laughs> your grandfather and grandmother, they think about sex. Your uncles and aunts, they okay, stop, think about stop, sex. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got carried away. <laughs> but Lisa, it's not the fact that, that we don't think about sex. As you've said before, we don't think deeply enough about it. We have, have kind of a, a, a decaffeinated view of sex because we get the cues from our culture instead of, okay, let's see what God's sex manual says about sex. Wow. Did and you this see is that? The, God's sex yeah, manual. Yeah, this it's is scripture. the true sex manual. But God created sex, and so often we just um, bring it down and decaffeinate it to something that's just physical. And sex is way more than a physical act. God created sex to be multifaceted. It has to do with the physical, obviously, but it's also an emotional thing. It's a relational thing, and it's a spiritual thing. Wow, did you just hear that? It's a spiritual thing. So we are not thinking deeply enough about sex. We talk about behavioral modification, but before you can have behavioral modification, you have to have a mental modification. And so our goal for this session today is that you would have a change of mind, a change of thought process perhaps about the depth and breadth and size of sex. It's a big deal in God's economy. And so he wants us to understand the multifaceted um, version, if you will, mm -hmm. of sex. So when you walk into this place, whatever your preconceived notions, wherever you are in any of our environments, whatever your preconceived notions were about sex, we want to just kind of say, wait a minute, let's put that at the door and you let our minds be renewed as Romans 12, 2 says. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know what that means right there? Let me stop for a second. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. 
In the literal translation, if we could read the literal language, the Koine Greek, it's don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And that's what, if, if, if we just sit idly by, the world, the culture, right, can squeeze us into its sexual mold. Thinking about sex only the way we culture have little does. sex as opposed to big sex. Yeah. Because remember, God wants us to have big sex, not little sex. Okay. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in order for us to understand God's will for our relationships, God's will for our dating, God's will for our marriages, we have to understand that there has to be a transformation of our minds so that we can think like God thinks, that we can have his mindset when it concerns anything in life, but especially when it concerns sex. So it's between the ears before it's between the legs. It's mental before it's genital. It's north before it's south. It's vertical before it's horizontal. Do you understand? I thought you did. Yeah, and vertical before it's horizontal, in all seriousness, it's about having a right relationship with God. That vertical relationship, when that is right, then the horizontal relationships will be what they need to be. Well, I remember watching the dive team at Florida State when we went there back in the day, and the divers, would, would tell you where the head goes, the body will follow. A gymnast will tell you the same thing. It's so true when it comes to this subject. When we think right, the way we think determines the way we feel, the way we feel determines the way we act. When we think right, think God's thoughts, that's when we'll understand this beautiful, beautiful gift. I remember when our family got its first color television. Now, for those of you who are younger, what you watch on TV land that's black and white, the reruns, that was normal for me as a kid. We watched that all the time. And I remember when my dad purchased that first color television set, and it was on a Friday afternoon. And the reason it was on a Friday was so that Saturday football games could be in what we called living color. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny to think about the difference between how excited we were then to watch that color TV set and perhaps how much better quality it is now. But I remember that our neighbors even came down because we were the first people on the street who had a color television set. And they came down and watched it and you could see the color of the uniforms and the greens and all of that. And we were like, wow, this is incredible. We've gone from black and white to color. And we were so enamored with it. But then Everybody kind of got a color television, and it became commonplace, and we lost the awe and the wonder. Nowadays, we turn the television on, and it's just a natural thing to see everything in living color. Perhaps we've allowed sex to be that way in our lives. We've gotten too accustomed to it. It's become just a numbing thing, and we don't see the real value and the beauty behind how it happens and how God created it to be beautiful and a living thing within our lives. Some people, Lisa, when they hear us talk about sex or see a bed in church, they have a weird thought. They, they kind of freak. How can you connect God with sex and the church with sex. And as I've said so often, we've kicked the bed out of church and got out of the bed. Let's bring the bed back in church and got back in the bed. Why though are we so weird when it comes to talking about sex in church? Well, a brief history lesson would serve us well. You remember Plato, Plato, he said, the soul is great, 
the body is evil. One of the church fathers, Augustine, brought some sexual baggage into his writings. He was influenced heavily by Plato. This began to be pressed on the church. Then you have Martin Luther, who had his own sexual baggage, begin to do some writing that would not line up with scripture, but about his own theology, his own beliefs regarding sex. Thus, it's been perpetuated, and the church has become strangely silent, quiet. And we've allowed the world and the culture to be the sex experts. We, those of us who are saved, should be the sex experts because sex began in heaven. God wants us to practice it the way he wants it practiced, which is in this beautiful covenant called marriage. And marriage is the only human relationship that's a mirror of God's relationship with his people. That's how huge marriage is. So sex is the superglue of marriage. How exciting would it be if we could, as a church, if we could, as married couples, those of us who are married, have such a relationship with our spouse that people that we meet are just wowed by it. And they go, wow, that's incredible, your relationship. Well, then to come, they would come to find out that this is a picture of God's relationship with his people. So if you want to be a light in this world, we need to be having the best marriages out there. We need to have marriages that, that are attractive to other people, that they go, I want what they have. And that's the supernatural that's right. touch that God puts on our lives through our marriages. That's great. When it comes to this opening session, I want to talk about several tantalizing truths. I thought the word tantalizing is very appropriate since we're talking about sex and God thought it up. It was his idea. The first tantalizing truth is this. Get ready. Sex is supernatural. Say supernatural with me. Supernatural. supernatural. Wow. Some of us are processing that. Lisa, sex is supernatural? Well, when you think about the word supernatural, it, it indicates something of God, something out of this world, that God is a part of it. And so what has happened is we have this connectivity between God and sex, and it freaks people out. Ed and I were doing an interview um, just this morning and uh, before the first service here and the interview with the media and this person got literally choked up at the end of the, the interviewer got choked up it at was the hilarious. end of the session. It was, and he goes, <clears throat> I think I, I, I just think to say God and sex at the same time is a little tough. And you know what? He was being an illustration of what the world does yes. because people cannot connect God and sex. We don't see the depth of it, and therefore we've removed God out of it. But sex is supernatural because of the oneness. Yes, God gave us sex before sin ever entered the human equation. And we'll talk about that in a second. But let me play off of what Lisa just said. Oneness. Oneness. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, 24, that two shall become one. For this cause, a man shall will leave his father and mother right. and be united to his wife. wife. The man and the woman unite in marriage and become one. one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three in one. There's oneness there. When a couple engages in sexual intercourse in marriage, you have the male character qualities of God and the female character qualities of God coming together as one. 
Sex is not just sex, it's just sex. We have, to, we have to have a mental modification to grab hold of this. So sex is supernatural. It's also for our enjoyment. Say enjoyment. Enjoyment. Oh, you're kind of frowning. Smile. I know. It's like smile. Because it's like... Uh, there, enjoyment. Yes. Don't be bashful about it. It's for our enjoyment. Sex was created for our enjoyment. Now, this is another one that people kind of have a, a question about. Yeah. When, when this uh, book was written, we've done some various interviews and things with people. And this one lady from CNN asked Lisa this question. She goes, well, obviously, sex is for procreation. That's what the scripture says. Let me stop. That's... Incorrect. I know it's hard to believe that a reporter got their facts wrong, but that's incorrect. <laughs> Sex is primarily for recreation. Recreation. If recreation. It was, if it was only for procreation, we would not. And we're enjoy talking about it. God's definition of it, not ours. Yeah. It's for recreation. For recreation. If it were only for procreation, then we would not enjoy sex after we have children. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, Ed and I have four children. Uh, the party didn't stop. That's right. So. <laughs> it's just beginning, baby. That's right. <laughs> Our children are on the front row here about to have a heart attack. <laughs> That's good, but, but, though. You know, it's it, true. It's, seriously, a lot of people think that. I'm, I was just, you know, she didn't know. She didn't know. But... She was well, very yeah, well-meaning and, and, and really basing it on just naivety. Exactly, exactly. But, but it is, Lisa, it is for our enjoyment, and then it's also for procreation. But the Bible talks a lot about the enjoyment of sex to satisfy one another. It talks about the beauty of marital love in the bed. And the very difficult thing is when you dread sex with your spouse. And I think I could speak to a lot of women, perhaps, um, who don't have a healthy view of sex. Maybe you brought baggage into the relationship. Perhaps you grew up hearing, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then that's set into your mind so that you think that sex is some type of a, a, a you know, ugly thing. It's not the beautiful gift that God intended it to be. But this is so important. We cannot dread something that God said, enjoy enjoy. And what does it say to your spouse if you dread that intimate time with them? It devalues them. It just says, you're not important to me. And God wants us to enjoy it. If we do enjoy it, again, that's going to be um, evident in every area, not just the physical. It flows and goes into every aspect of our relationship. For some people, though, the last thing they need to do is actually participate in the sex experiment. You desperately need this material. You need to read the book, but here's what you need to do. You need to have the guts, because of this content, to seek some help, to seek some wise counsel. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there's a genius in the multiplicity of counselors. This has caused a lot of people, Lisa, mm -hmm. who've already read this book and experienced some of the things we talk about in the book, to walk into a counselor's office long after everyone else has taken this experiment. They didn't do it. Then as they unpack some of these issues, then it's like, okay, wow. 
this, this, this is awesome. So there's so a that's lot a of, there's thing. a lot of hurt and pain that people are processing. Yeah. And that's why this, the book, the sex experiment book is not about seven, just seven days of sex. It's about all the things that need to be understood exactly. in order to participate in the actual seven days of intimacy. So it's, it's, there's a time of healing and a time of dialogue, which helps us to better process our relationship so that we can be intimate. Well, in Genesis, chapter 2 verse 25 the man and his wife were both naked or where I came from it was naked naked and they felt no shame there's no shame in God's game no shame no shame so it's for our enjoyment also too Lisa this this uh, next tantalizing truth sex is not x-rated it's not x-rated it's God created say God created God created yeah, the only time that sex becomes X-rated is when we allow the evil one, Satan himself, to hijack it out of God's plan and put it into his plan. And he's been very successful at that, but we can't allow that to happen. We have to keep it God-created. God created it for um, the context of marriage. He created it for us to be fruitful, to multiply, to enjoy it. But he also says, it's not X-rated. It's a beautiful gift that I have given to you. And the again, the only way it's X-rated is if we allow culture to dictate it. But don't sit back and think that you can take all these cues from all the different um, places, whether it's Hollywood, television, the media, you know, whatever it is, magazines, and you can feed that into your mind and all of a sudden you may be well-meaning in the beginning, but you're, you're transformed in your mind by all the things that you're putting yourself in front of. And you're being squeezed you're into being that squeezed mold. You're being squeezed into that mold and all of a sudden your sexual view does become X-rated. And so we have to think in terms of what God says about it and the beauty that it is and, and all of that. It's the issue of content and context. The content, sex. God says, use the content, sex, in my context, the marriage bed, the result, you'll achieve your destiny. Conversely, we have the opportunity because we have a freedom of choice given to us by God. We can take the content use it out of context, the result ultimately will be chaos. Sometimes people think, well, if a married couple looks a certain way or if they have a certain amount of money or if they can travel here or there, whatever, they must have great sex. That's not true. Don't believe that. I remember the time that we talked to this porn star, a very famous young lady, one of the saddest days in our lives, the emptiness, the pain, the brokenness, a beautiful woman, a beautiful young woman at the zenith of her life, Lisa, hollow, mm -hmm. devastated, messed up. She has had sex with who knows how many people who look a certain way or whatever. She was absolutely and is absolutely miserable. And when we just share with her a little bit about God's view of sex, she broke down and started crying. This is a porn star. It's not X-rated. And we have to come to terms with the fact that we have to have spiritual compatibility in our relationships in order to, for there to be a great physical compatibility. I hear so many people say, well, you know, in today's world, everybody's doing it. Just everybody's doing it. Come on, Ed and Lisa, what, yeah. you, you must live under a rock. Well, no, 
I wanted to challenge you, couples, because I know we probably have some people hearing my voice, and maybe you're single and you're living with someone, and you're saying, well, you know, we need to test the waters because we don't want to be stuck in a relationship where we're not physically compatible. We want great sex in our relationship. I want to challenge you. You concern yourselves about the spiritual compatibility, and God will take care of the physical compatibility. That's he right. He will do it. I'm really, really, really frustrated. I get very, very frustrated when I hear that because what, in essence, you're saying is, God can't handle that. Yeah. He can't handle that. I know better than that. God. Yeah, I know better yeah. than God. He can't handle that. I'm the that. sex expert, Ed not and God. I, Ed and I have been married for 30 years. We dated for six years. We remained pure during our six years of dating. Now, I tell you that to say it is, was not easy because we are just normal people like everybody else. And we struggled with that and had to set boundaries and really pay attention to our relationship as we were dating to protect You ourselves. had to set boundaries, not me. Yeah, yeah, she right. Did. But I can tell you that, you know what? We didn't you know, test the waters of sex before marriage and uh, God took care of it, okay? He took care of That's it. Right. And great sex is not about you know, testing the waters prior to marriage. It's about trusting God and he'll take care of it. Exactly, Lisa. That, that's the word to so many because some people here, I know we have so many singles who are watching this, who are engaged here and also at other environments. And they're going, okay, my virginity is in the past tense. Is there hope for me still? I, I mean, have I like committed this unpardonable sin? The beautiful thing about Christianity is that it's all about reconciliation. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, he power washes your life and forgives you. And he takes on anything from your past that, he, that you've done. He takes it upon himself so that when we are standing before God and God looks at our hearts, he sees Jesus, not our sin, not our shame. That's great. And so if you make that decision today and ask for his forgiveness, maybe you're a follower of Christ, but you've gone down the wrong path and made some wrong choices. Choices. You can ask for that forgiveness today, and your virginity will be restored spiritually. And although you may still suffer consequences from your past experiences, God has forgiven you, and you can move forward from this day and do it God's way. And if you are a virgin and you're thinking about sleeping in the bed before marriage, we would tell you categorically from Scripture and just from our counsel and our talk with so many singles, don't do it. Because again, God forgives. He does not, though, remove the consequences. So it's his ideal, it's his best to give that gift to your spouse when you're married. And the Sexperiment book has been something that came out of... Um, a couple years back when we challenged the church to do this, and it's, it's overwhelming that many people took this experiment several year, years ago, and what God did. Again, it's not about seven days of sex or a contest, hey, we made it, we didn't make it, you yeah, know, what about Yeah, we got six out of seven days, man. How about you guys? The, no. po the point is everything that connects with those seven days of intimacy. So we're not starting this experiment today. We're, not, we're just getting prepared for what God wants to do in relationships. But we know that God will take some of us you know, who are in healthy places, and it's going to be a great experience. Others he's going to challenge to, to get some dialogue going and deal with some very hard issues in the relationship so that he can... Um, show and reveal himself to uh, us. But this is a letter that we received, and I just think it's important to share because 
God can do some amazing things. Yeah, I think through, in, in the book, though, Lisa, one of the cool things about it is there are several letters from people at different stages and ages of life. Yes. And it's been interesting to see what, what they processed with, with this experiment. Yeah, here's a letter from a woman. Wow, what an impact this experiment has made in our lives. My marriage has been festering with pain and anguish over past betrayal, deep wounds from scathing words spoken, and a general sense of brokenness. I decided to participate in this experiment, and I'm so thankful I did. I've prayed for healing for our marriage for years, but it wasn't until I made the decision to do this out of service and love for my husband and God that I have begun to feel some restoration in our relationship. And I believe that story can be repeated over and over and over. We continually, as couples, we get bombarded with our schedules, with you know responsibilities, with work, and all these different things. And sometimes we just forget the luster and the beauty and the gift that God has given us in sex. And it gets put on the back burner. And we, f we lose the priority of it. And so we want to bring that back to be reminded of what God has given us. And the restoration can take place in all of our lives. When you look at Jesus, Jesus was the master teacher, the greatest communicator ever. He always used visuals and word pictures to make a statement. He said, see this child here? You need to have faith like a child. See the sower? Here's some seed. That's the different responses people have to the seed, the Word of God. He was always talking about that, always using things like that. That's why we teach the way we do at Fellowship. We're taking a page out of Christ's playbook. You know, Lisa and I have talked about marriage. You get married when you say, I do. It's a decision followed by a process. You become a follower of Christ by a decision followed by a process. Have you said, I do to Christ? But that only, I mean, I have doubts and I, I only have a, a, just a little bit of faith. Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, one of the tiniest seeds, that that's all it takes. You can pray this prayer with me, just right where you are. You see, Jesus loves you right where you are, but you don't know what I did last night or last week. You know what? I don't. God does, and he's crazy about you. He loves you. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to allow you to remain the same. Just say, I do to him. How do you do that? Just say this prayer with me. Dear God, just say, dear God, to yourself. I, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I believe with my mustard seed faith that Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And right now, I ask you to come into my life. I say, I do to you. I give you everything I am and everything I'll ever become. I even give you, Lord, my sexuality. Others here need to pray a prayer of cleansing, of healing. I'm talking about singles. I'm, I'm talking to junior high students. I'm talking to those in high school. You've been messing around. You know it. You've been taking this incredible gift and using it in a God-forbidden way. And God's saying, hey, use this incredible gift in a God-ordained way. Do it my way. Do it my way. Just say, I do, God. I want to do it your way. Other marriages here need to be strengthened. Some marriages need some serious, serious help. It's 911 time. Maybe, just maybe, by the words spoken here and over the next several sessions, you'll have a cur enough courage to walk into 
a counselor's office, a Christian counselor's office to put these issues out on the table because God wants to do something amazing in your life. So God, we give this time to you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.